tears me apart. Here we go. My name is Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Pop Culturing. This is uh, podcast number, I don't know. I don't think we do numbers. Oops. We don't do numbers on Pop Culturing. Um, but if you don't know, if you don't recognize that music, what is that music from, my darling? Well, the Pop Culturing theme song was what we just played. But the first song was the uh, theme music to Big Little Lies. And you know, it's funny. When we watch Big Little Lies, I never fast forward through the theme music. Well, um, I have a comment to that. But first, this podcast is being brought to you by Zen Parenting Radio. Yes, it is. A podcast of self-awareness and other stuff. And if you listen to pop culturing, you will love Zen Parenting Radio. And this week on Zen Parenting Radio, we actually did a very pop culturing thing. And we talked about the show Stranger Things. Right. So if you're listening to this and you also loved Stranger Things... Listen to uh, Zen Parenting Radio number 503. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So my first comment to your comment yeah. about listening to the theme. First of all, my take on that song, uh -huh. it's a little dark for me, like the emotions that get emitted uh, from the beginning song of Big Little Lies. It's just a little creepy, darkish. Did you say the emotions that get emitted? Yeah. It's quite a way to say it. Yeah, well, that's what I do. The emitting emotions? Yeah. Um, so, but I also don't like it. But and don't you think I it... I also don't like the fact that you make me watch it <laughs> again. Why do you... Because you're like, oh, it's because of this show. No, you do the same thing for Stranger Things. Well, it's interesting. I don't do it with every show because there is some... So why are Stranger music... Things and Big Little Lies different? Uh, I do it with Stranger Things because I like the build and it reminds me of shows from a long time ago and I like watching it. Mm -hmm. um, and I like... I just like the theme music. And then with this... I like to watch each of them in the car because they it, during the theme music, they show each of the women driving their car. And I like to analyze what sunglasses they're wearing or like Jane's not even wearing sunglasses. So yeah, what's I've that all about? I've watched this opening as much as you have, and I've never thought an ounce of anything you're talking about right now. Well, see those, it means something like it's the, the opening is very similar to last season, but it's different because they added a few people and, um, they look a little different. Like in this season, Jane has bangs, you know, stuff like that. No, so yeah. they retaped them driving in Monterey over the bridge. And I think I just, I feel like the people who put that together had reasons for giving each person whatever sunglasses they had, what they were doing, whether or not their window was down. There's like, there's character development even within the opening. Do we have to give a spoiler alert? Yes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so if you haven't finished it, season two, then don't listen to the show. Yeah, because we, I don't know if we'll give every spoiler, but we're going to talk about Big Little yeah, Lies. Yeah, we're going to be unhinged. Mm -hmm. Just like Madeline was unhinged. Do you remember who's, when her who's daughter? Madeline? Madeline, Reese Witherspoon. Oh. Do you remember her daughter came out and showed her the picture of the... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She's Vaguely. like, Mom, this is like so you. So I'm going to need you to use the actors' names because I still don't know who's who. Can I do both? You can do whatever you want. Cool. Just know I'm not going to follow if you say Celeste, because I still don't know who Celeste is. Nicole Kidman. Okay. okay. And who's Jane? That is Shailene Woodley. And who's Reese Witherspoon? Uh, Madeline. 
Madeline. Yeah, I'm not going to remember this. Forget it. So I did not watch season one. My sweetheart invited me to watch season two, which I did. And I think it's an amazing show. So well acted. I do think you liked it better than I did. But I liked it a lot. But I think you love this show. Well, I have to say, I'm going to tell you something that you might be surprised. Okay. I liked season one a lot better. Oh, really? Yes. Well, it tells me that I should go back and watch season one. And we'll talk about through this podcast why I like season one a lot better. I do love Big Little Lies. And I think as uh, a woman um, watching women's stories Mm -hmm. so well told, I, of course, will probably appreciate it more than you do, which is to your point. You said I like it more than you. I think you're right. Um, But I do think now that I've had a... we watched this, what, a night or two ago? Sunday night. And I think when it was over, you and I were like, okay, okay. And then the more I've kind of sat on it, I'm like, I felt totally different after watching season one. Well, I think season one had a much huger, huger, more bigger, bigger climax. For sure. And season two kind of sputtered out. Not necessarily that that's bad, but there wasn't any huge gasps. I'm going for the gasps. I'm going for gasps. Um, I agree with you uh, in that I think season two started off super strong and I can give some reasons why I think it started off super strong. And I think as we got into the last two episodes, it the tone changed for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel... There were still some great Renata moments, and obviously there were some, you know, storylines that I really appreciated and acting that was amazing. But it felt different than season one and even the first three or four episodes of the season. It just felt a little more like – I remember after the fourth or fifth episode, you and I are like, how are they going to do this? Yeah. How are they going to wrap this up? Because there's so many places they have to go. I think they – it's designed for a third season. It is, but, you know, the more I've read, it it's so unlikely that it's going to happen. And I know it, nobody's saying never. Like, even David, David Kelly is like, you know, you never say never, but the likelihood is not super strong. But wh- who knows? Who so, knows? So the only thing I have to offer other than my opinion is I did a little research on some trivia, okay. which I'm not going to say right now. Okay. Maybe I'll build it into the end of the show. All right. Um, and I don't even know if half this trivia is true. Okay. Because I got it off of IMDB. Yeah, it could and, be true. And, you know, just one thing that I think is total BS that I got off of IMDB, Jessica Lang turned down the role played by Meryl Streep in season two. They wrote that for Meryl Streep. That's Street. what I was going to say. That's not true. So I think this goes to the old half-ass internet research. That's mm-hmm. a term that we stole from the rewatchables, the rewatchables mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why we do this show because... Kathy and I love this podcast called The Rewatchables. So thank you to Bill Simmons and the folks over there. But anyways, yeah, I think that's a BS trivia. Yeah. From what I understand, I don't know which came first, but... The chicken or the egg? The chicken or the egg. But I had heard that it was a part written for uh, Meryl Streep, which again, Meryl Streep's real name is Mary Louise. Yes. So that's why they named her Mary Louise. That was in my trivia, sweetie. Nice job. No, that's okay. But I also heard that Meryl Streep loved season one and actually called some people and was like, hey, 
Yeah. If you Get need me, me in on this action. So here's the way I want to structure this, Todd, if yeah. this feels okay yeah, to you. Structure it for me. Number number one, the issues with this season. Issues pretty, are in your tissues. Issues in the tissues. Number two, I wanted to go through the characters. Characters, check. And then number three, I want to talk about how the kids act like adults and the adults act like kids. Mm, okay. I think a lot of people can relate to that idea. Yes, I think so. And I Parents, think that's purposeful. kids, reverse. Got it. Check. Okay, so let's go through the issues first. One of the issues that came up about a week or two ago was around the director, Andrea Arnold. So um, if you remember, Todd, the actual... Um, Let's see. So the guy, let, let me get his name right because I want to say it right. I wrote it down. Uh, Jean-Marc Vallée. Okay. Mm-hmm. He was the director for season one. Now you'll know him from Wild. He directed Wild, Cheryl Strayed's Wild. Check. Which Reese Witherspoon was in and got an Academy Award nomination. Laura Dern was in it and got an Academy Award nomination. Yep. So just to bring that together. Okay. So Jean-Marc Vallée um, was the director of season one. And it was it was shot in such a way. This is why I think you would like season one, too. It's, it's shot really interestingly. Like, there's a lot of water... Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of water symbolism in season two also, but there's also a lot of dreamy things in season one. There's a lot of like you're not sure if they're experiencing something or dreaming something. They did that in season two also, but it wasn't quite as um, impactful. Yeah, or maybe okay. So let me go on with what was wrong. So he oh these are your issues with it. No, this is like information. Oh, so this is information yeah. on season two. Yeah. Okay. So. Jean-Marc Vallée could not do season two. He couldn't direct it because he directed sharp objects and Uh he couldn't do them. So, And that's the show that scared you. Yes. So that show scared me. And now thinking about it, I can see how he shot it so similarly to Wild and Big Little Lies because it's a lot of like cuts and dramatic cuts and, and things where you're not sure. Same kind of thing. You're not sure. Is this really happening or is this old? So... And when I say that, it's well done. It 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 has great effect. And gosh, the end of that show just it just brutalized me. But the anyway, sharp objects one. Yes. Okay. So that's the Amy Adams Patricia Clarkson show. So he was um, filming that. So he couldn't do season lies uh, or Big Little Lies season two because. He was busy. He was busy, and they had to get going yeah. because they had all these people, right? Let's move. So they had Andrea Arnold come in and um, direct it, and she's a very well-known director. American Honey, I think she directed, and she she's respected in the industry. So I guess what, what came out a couple weeks ago is that Andrea Arnold directed, but she lost creative control hmm. to David Kelly, and to uh, did the guy have creative control? So Jean Marc Vallée was the editor, I guess. Okay, and so her director vision, and uh, no, he didn't direct it. Is so what I'm wait, telling you. Jean Marc Vallée was the director of season one, and he edited season two. Is that what you're telling yes, me? Yes, because he was still attached. Got so it. he directed Sharp Objects, couldn't do season two, couldn't film it. But he's but then decided came to cut back. it up. Okay, exactly. And I guess there was an article was in IndieWire that she lost creative control. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is because there were some points in this season and I would have never been like, oh, I bet she lost creative control. I didn't know that, but there were weird moments Mm. in this season where it felt a little choppy, Yeah, like where they would show something for like 10 seconds and then mm. cut away. And I'm like, okay, what were we supposed to get from that? Like, I didn't understand. Yeah, I feel the like flow. there were certain things that I'm like, okay, I can't wait for them to further develop that. Yes. And they never did. But I can't come up with any examples right now. 
Well, it just, there were moments, it didn't have the same feel. It, it wasn't bad. Mm -hmm. I wasn't like, oh, this is a bad season. I, I just wasn't super shocked to read yeah. that article. Okay, so the other thing, um, so anyway, I think Andrea Arnold left the situation feeling like it wasn't a great experience. That's kind mm. of what I'm taking from the, and, and there was also a lot of hype around the fact that this is a woman centric show and now they're going to have a woman direct it, you know, isn't that great? And the truth is she may have directed some of the footage, but it really wasn't her vision. She didn't get the full, the full palette that Correct. the other guy got in season one. Correct. He got the full thing, you right. know? Um, and then another issue that came up about this show is around race. Um, in the book, which I read, I read it when I had the flu a couple of years ago. Uh, before, I actually read the book after I saw the first season, interestingly okay. enough. Um, but so Bonnie, who Who's is that? Bonnie is Zoe Kravitz. Okay. She in the book is not African-American. Okay. Okay. Um, and when they chose Zoe Kravitz as the star for season one, it really wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. It was a, a, like, I think in the industry, they called a colorblind choice, meaning like it's a non-issue that, um, that Bonnie is African-American, but in season two, it is an issue, mm -hmm. but they don't dive into it enough. And when I say it's an issue, what I mean is they're giving Bonnie all this great backstory and to not discuss the fact that she's living in this very, very white, affluent community. It's it's never addressed. It's, it's addressed once. Her mom, I don't remember which one it was, is when her she and her mom are walking on the beach and her mom is kind of like, you know, she says something to the effect of, you know, what's going on with you? And you live in this place where I haven't even seen another black person. Yeah. So it's commented on, but it doesn't get dealt with to understand Bonnie's experience, because let's also think about this, Todd. Bonnie is the one, okay, spoiler everybody, so if you haven't stopped listening, you know, this is where I'm giving a spoiler. You know, she's the one who pushes him, yeah. right? And then she would be the one who, again, would be blamed. Because she did it. And she also happens to be, like, one of the only African-American women in this town. town. So there's, like, a thing there. There's, like, a... Uh, an issue to discuss. They could have, you know, um, basically they bring in her mother, who's so interesting, you well, know. And I feel like that was one of the loose ends that never got tied up. Like they spent a lot of time with her in the hospital room. At, I know this actress and, was asleep for three episodes. And like nothing really. I mean, if she dreamed of maybe killing her mom and putting her out of her misery by, you know, stifling her with a pillow. Right. But there's, a, I just feel like that was all a waste of energy. And I feel like the mom should have been played by Lisa Bonet. Wouldn't that have been interesting? Because yeah. that is Zoe Kravitz's <clears throat> mother. And those of you probably know this, but Zoe Kravitz's um, mother is Lisa Bonet. Her dad is Lenny Kravitz. Um, she's She was amazing in this season. She didn't have hardly anything in season one. She yeah. was just more of Nathan's new wife that Madeline, Reese Witherspoon, was always angry with because Nathan 
had she and Nathan had had a daughter, the one who's supposed to go to college this season. Yeah. And then Nathan and Bonnie in season one, they have Sky, who's in the same class as Madeline's Madeline and Ed's daughter. And so there's a whole tension there. But Bonnie, the role is not a well-developed role. Where this season, I kind of feel like it was something that was not addressed fully. Mm. And again, I don't even know exactly what I'm personally looking for. It just seemed like a, you know... I think it just seemed like an issue. Um, The other thing um, is the, well, I actually, I don't even know. I I don't want to talk about that one yet. I'll get to that. Yeah, let's skip that one. Okay. You don't even know what I'm talking about. No, I have no idea. Um, Okay. The last one is there seemed to be like a personality change with some of the characters um, from season one to season two. And the one that I will focus on the most is Gordon, who is Renata's husband. Oh, yeah. Beard guy. Something I said to you while we were watching it is that in season one, Gordon and Renata had, I'm not saying they're like super healthy human beings, but they had a fairly okay marriage. Like they were, um, they had their own issues and Renata was always a little interesting. Um, But they, you know, he kind of was loving toward her. They did have a sex life. Um, And then all of a sudden in this season, he's just a huge jerk. You know, like he's just he's a awful. jerk, and he also has sex with the maid, and he loses all his money. I so, think yeah. she was the nanny, wasn't she? The nanny? Oh yeah, nanny. Sorry. Maybe. Um, but yeah, like it's so extreme, and he even has a comment at the end of this. I think it was the last episode we watched where he says something like, "Well, at least I have something to play with," and he's referring to his toys, which we'll get to in a second. But I'm like, what are you talking about? You guys in season one, which is only supposed to be like six months away from when this one mm-hmm. starts or even less. Cause it's just the summer. They had a fine sex life. It, it's, or it seemed to well, be. Well, maybe it's cause she was icing them out for the last six months or three months. Cause it, the, the last day of school was when the murder happened. Okay. They call it June 1st. Yeah. You're right. Like maybe there was a disconnect because she, because the lie, yeah. you know? So, I I hate to, I'm sorry, everybody, I started with the negative, but I just wanted to say a few things because these are issues that have been raised, um, not just by me, they've been raised by critics, it's been discussed online, it was just, it was interesting, like it didn't, some things that they could have gone deeper into or at least commented on it, um, you know, but what I will say is going back to Bonnie, I really did think with what she had to work with, like, because she did it was, it was, she did a really good job. Mm. Didn't you think Zoe Kravitz was good in this? Um, she was no better or worse than every other amazing actress on this show. Yeah, maybe I had more of a response to her because she wasn't in season one very much. You know, that she would get this opportunity to have some really big moments. Well, and the acting is incredible. But I will say, uh, I had a realization like halfway through a season two um, Shailene Woodley is as good, if not better, as an actress as Reese and Nicole. If if you're going to rank the actresses, uh-huh. and I know you don't like doing all that, but I don't. Um, Meryl Streep you got to put first just because she's Meryl Streep. But I would put Shailene Woodley second. Wow, what a compliment. I'm telling you, she's just, I just, you know how we always talk about this. You test how good an actor or an actress is by how much you're thinking about it yeah. when you're watching it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you just don't connect. 
Um, and then Nicole is a rock star. Yeah. Reese, I don't know. She's fine. She didn't get a ton to work with this season. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, that's what I mean. Like some of the, like Madeline was even different last season. Madeline was so fun to watch last season because she was so all over the place. Like she would be so kind of mean and annoying and abrupt. And then all of a sudden she'd be this like really great friend. She had more Renata moment. You know how Renata was this season? I thought Madeline was like that last season. Mm. Like she had really like. Um, you know, grand statements or get really frustrated by something or angry. And then she would all of a sudden show up as a good friend. And I was like, she's such an interesting character. Yeah. And there's no bridge between these two, um, you know, ways of showing up. No, no, that's she's either this or she's that. Right. And, and this, and I like that, like the paradox of someone where they're like, they can be one of the most challenging people in the school Yet they're also one of the most loving mm. friends. Yeah. Like she, like Madeline in season one was, you know, making a lot of people's lives miserable. Yet here she is wanting to make sure Jane has friends. It, yeah. It's just, it, it was interesting. That's all. I, and I'm using the word interesting in a good way. Like they made her an interesting human. And she was, Madeline was still interesting, but it wasn't. I feel like Renata got the big moments this season. So, Todd, those are the things. Those are the issues, sweetie. Those are the issues. Now, let's talk about the characters. You ready? Let's do that. Okay. So why don't we... Let's stick with Madeline as long as we're talking about her. So how what do you think about Ed? Like Adam Scott. Adam Scott? Yeah. He's a twerp. He was challenging for me this season. I know... That he's supposed to be... I mean, he played as, I think... Yeah, I don't think he's supposed to be a straw. I think he's an honest but a little resentful... Like, you know, the whole second half of this series, too, second season, you're just waiting for him to finally forgive her. I know. And he almost, like, holds that against her. Yeah, he almost, is like, has more power by not leaving. Yeah. Like, he's like, I'm going right. to just hold this grudge in your presence. And I'm glad he came around. Me too. But I didn't care for him. I didn't care for either one of them too much, to be honest with you. Um. Yeah, I, you know, like, last season, Ed was like, and Ed had some kind of off-putting moments last season, too, but I just felt like he... Adam Scott's acting was good. I've just never loved Ed. So I'm not someone who's like pulling. I'm not like Madeline and Ed forever. Like they're just not my, they just weren't my favorite couple. Um, But I thought, you know, Madeline had some great moments at the beginning of the season. The fact that she was selling real estate. She has some great moments um, with the principal. Um, her first scene, actually, uh, this is one of the scenes that we have. Go ahead and play uh, number three. Number three. Here we go. I'm Celeste's friend. Yes. How have you been? Good, good. The kids are good. How are you? I can't complain. Actually, I can. My son is dead. But Celeste tells me that you continue to be so helpful with her and the boys, and... She should just get a proper housekeeper. You're very short. <laughs> Excuse me? I don't mean it in a negative way. Oh. Maybe I do. I find little people to be untrustworthy. <laughs> My apologies. It's just that I'm... I pride myself on being a very good judge of character, but you have always presented such a difficult read. You know, you seem like a nice person, loving, but also you strike me as a wanter. A, a wanter. 
She's a wanter, sweetie. She's a wanter. So that's actually a good... So that's in the first episode. And that's obviously Mary Louise, Meryl Streep, and Madeline, Reese Witherspoon. And I felt like Mary Louise... Because you're not quite sure who Mary Louise is yet. She had kind of an accurate description there. You know, it's not nice of her to say you're short, but it was like you kind of were Mary Louise. Like, yeah, Madeline... It's kind of like a below-the-belt thing to say, though. It is. Yeah. You're short. You're short. She's like, well, I don't mean that, you know, you know, in a mean way. She's like, well, maybe I do. Right. Um, it, that's kind of the setup of who is Mary Louise, but that Madeline is great in that scene. They're both, the thing about Big Little Lies, I think the reason that Todd and I loved watching it is even if it didn't unfold exactly the way I would have hoped, these scenes are fun. Like yeah. they're fun to watch these really great actresses like in interact with each other. Like sometimes I think some of the scenes weren't even really necessary, mm-hmm. but it was just fun. Written to, to, yeah. You know, just to, so you could see these actresses go toe to toe. Exactly. In a fun way. And to see them react to each other and have sometimes it even seemed like improv things. Well, it's, this is like an all-star team. Like what other actresses could you want on the show that would be any larger than these, you know, central four. Yeah, I know. I know. It was it was really good and I I felt like the beginning of the season for Madeline like when you remember um you know, she has some great moments with each kid like in the first episode when her daughter tells her she's not going to go to college. Do you remember when she kind of flips out on her, and her daughter like wants to help homeless people? And Madeline was like, I don't care. I, mm. I can't remember her direct quote, but it was something like, I don't care about homeless people. Right. It, that is like a great, th- that was more her character from yeah. season one. But then then the side note of that was, it was her oldest daughter who accidentally, and I'm saying that in air quotes, said in front of Ed that Madeline had had this affair. And her oldest daughter felt horrible that she had said this. And she said to Madeline, you know, she said, Mom, I'm so sorry. It's my fault. And Madeline said to her daughter, no, it's not your fault. It's my fault for doing what I did. Mm. So yeah, she owned it. So do you see how you've got this woman at one time saying, I don't care about homeless people. And then at the like in the next episode, owning her parenting. Yeah. So there were some buy great it? moments. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I mean about... Um, Episode one, two, three, and four. I was really, I was, I felt in the same way. I just felt like in the last couple episodes, I lost my people. Mm. Like I wasn't quite sure. We didn't have a lot of those moments. There wasn't time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do. Well, and when I think of just the last few episodes, I think my favorite part was when Nicole just grilled Meryl Streep right. on the stand. Like, I feel like the last four episodes were just to set up that one scene. Exactly. And that's kind of my point, is that at the very beginning of season two, it felt a lot like season one. Yeah. And then it kind of just goes into Celeste and Mary Louise. Right. And they were in, like, you know, we were talking about Bonnie was in the hospital a lot. They were very separate from each other, those yeah. stories. Um, There's some fluff. Yeah. So... Anything else you want to say about Reese, Madeline? No. Before we move on? No. Okay, so Celeste, 
most Who's of this that? Celeste is Nicole Kidman. Okay, got it. Most of Big Little Lies is built around Celeste. Um, the fact that she was abused um, by her husband, and there's a lot of that in season one that you um, missed. Um, not easy to watch scenes, pretty tough. And it's a lot about season two is a lot about Celeste's grief, how she's dealing with being a parent, how she's not dealing with being a parent. Like, do you remember in the first episode, Todd, first or second, when her sons are in the backseat and she's driving and they're like, I can't remember how it gets brought up, but they're like, you don't really like talking about this, you know, about what's happened to dad, basically. And she's like, oh, yes, we're a family and we talk openly about everything. And they're like, uh, we're not that kind of family. Mm. Like, she's not really. She's, she's portraying so, something that is not actually happening. Correct. She's yeah. so stuck in her own grief. She cares about the boys, but she can't even touch it. Like, well, she's, and how do you deal with this? Like, this guy beat you up for X amount of years gets accidentally killed by a friend you know and then you like hide it from the police like can you imagine the turmoil no. of what's going on grief anger sadness fear fear mm-hmm. forget about it it's a like this incident probably took years off this character's life well not only that but something they don't bring back into season two is the fact that one of her sons i can't remember if it's max or josh um was bullying actually strangled Amabella. Who's that? That is Renata's daughter uh-huh. at school in season one. Yeah. In season one, Ziggy, Jane's yeah. son, gets blamed for doing that. And it's really yeah. one of the twins. And, and everybody s- instantly is like, oh, well, this young boy figured this out because he watched his dad do it to his mom. Exactly. So she's got to deal with that, too. And there's a scene in this season where one of her sons calls her a bitch. Yeah. Remember that? Mm-hmm. She's like, you will not do that. So she's Is also... Is that when she uh, hit him? No. She, I think, push When the boys are fighting, that's when she pushes one of them to the ground. I think when he calls her a bitch is when they're sitting at the dinner table, if I remember correctly. So Nicole Kidman's character is obviously just like not functioning as a productive person in society as far as taking the prescription drugs She's taking Ambien. falling asleep while driving and hitting her kids and then hitting well, her mother-in-law. Now let's wait a second. Not hitting her kids. She pushed, pushed one of her Thank sons. You. Pushed one of her kids down, hit her mother-in-law. Yes. But they do it kind of in a very step-by-step way where you kind of believe it all. But then there's a, I think it's a scene in the courtroom where they like list all these things that she's done. It's like this woman is on. It sounds horrible. Yeah, she's not suited to be a mom. Exactly. And not only that, but they bring up all of that. Now, this is interesting, Todd. This is a question for you around what they bring up about her sex life. Yeah. Because she's been having sex with a lot of different men. Yeah. Um, and that was something I had a hard time paying attention to is she would flash to having sex And sometimes I couldn't tell if it was with Perry, which is her husband who abused her, who died, or if it was like a new person. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I was like, who is that? Um, Because sometimes she would dream and visualize being with Perry and sometimes it'd be someone else. But, you know, as a viewer, I think we're supposed to kind of, if a man was a widower or a widow, no, widower, and he was having sex with women after his wife died, would you question that? Um, independent of all other circumstances, no. But I also don't think that she would have been questioned had it not been for all this other stuff that she'd been up to. Like if it was just, oh, she was having new partners maybe as a vehicle for dealing with her grief, you know, I, I don't think so. So I think the answer to your question is 
I don't think that there's a double standard in this case because it wasn't about the fact that she had a bunch of sex. That was one variable amongst four or five other variables. Okay. I can hear that. But there's probably a double standard in there somewhere too. Well, it was just, it's, I always like to kind of turn the tables and like, how would we view, like if a woman is grieving and chooses to have sex, you know. Oh, she's a slut and then, and the guy is like a conqueror or something like that. Like the guy is just getting through his feelings where the girl is becoming a slut. That it's just not fair. Um, But it's similar story, you know, and again, I was saying how Jean-Marc Vallée did Wild, you know, Cheryl Strayed's book and, and movie Wild she when she's grieving she has sex with a lot of different men too mm. and it's like how do we you know and and there's a lot of if you read her book there's a lot of reasons for that and you know she doesn't have any shame about that now you know she that was part of the experience um of her getting through her grief but it's just like how do we view that as a society when a man does that versus sure. a women woman does sure. that and, and whether it's an 18 year old kid or a 35 year old husband of course that there is a um, reputation that a guy will have like, oh, he's getting a lot of action. That's just what he does. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. And a girl is not. It's, it's the ugly, socialized world that we live in. And it gets complicated with the kind of sex that Celeste, again, Nicole Kidman and her husband Perry had because a lot of times the sex was built around the violence mm-hmm. and sometimes they got off on the violence. And so it became confusing um, for both of them. So I didn't see season one. Yeah. So I didn't see how the violence happened and then the sex happened. Um, you know, looking at it objectively in an unfair way, like, oh, if a man is beating me, then of course I'm not going to want to have sex with him. But that's not a fair statement because I wouldn't, you know, I'm not in that position. So I just wonder how, um, is does she, does Nicole Kidman want to have sex with her husband after she gets well, hit, see, or is she afraid that she he might kill her if she doesn't give it up? Well, and this is the confusing part, and yeah. I don't, and I think that I can't give you an answer, and I think it's very messy, and I think it's very gray, and it's supposed to be because it is their relationship, and it is was often a way of him to make up with her, and it was a way for her to then keep from getting hurt any mm. further if she could get him in that direction. Do you know what I mean? If if he was abusing her and she could get him to then, then have it, sex, then it stopped. Right. Um, and, and his energy probably changed and shifted for the positive correct. or the loving or whatever it is. It was still pretty aggressive sex. It wasn't, it, it wasn't I mean, easy to watch. Right. After it was over. Then it was done. Yeah. Then it was like, then she didn't have to worry about it. it. It became, even watching it as a viewer, it's confusing. Celeste is confused. She doesn't know. She knows there was plenty of scenes in season one where you see her like afterwards staring out a window or getting up afterwards and being you know, disgusted. Did sex always follow the violence or um, only sometimes? Enough that it was a connector. Okay. It not, I, I mean, I can't remember season one super well because it was a couple of years ago, but it was common enough. Yeah. Um, it was a pattern. It was a pattern. That's a good way to say it. So <clears throat> that then gets confused in your sex life going forward. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there were points when Celeste therapist actually says to her, you know, you miss the war, you miss the pain. And, and 
says to her, are you abusing yourself? Are you like self-inflicting bruises? Which is very common um, for people who are, um, you know, in domestic abuse situations. And again, I think that's why I like the show so much, especially season one. Season two doesn't ring quite as true for me, but I think what I like talk to you all about after I watched season one was just, I was like, oh my gosh, this was such a a good depiction, a, a real depiction of what can happen in a domestic abuse situation. Sure. And, and they also demonstrate in other relationships, emotional abuse, they demonstrate in Jane's situation after a woman is raped, um, especially after becoming pregnant, having a child after being raped, what that looks like afterwards. They dealt with things that a lot of shows are unwilling to deal with. And I felt that it was very, um, about time, you know, these are real stories. These things happen. And yeah, it was based in Monterey, wealthy people, very white, very affluent. And I get that. Um, But that is that area. That's exactly what it's like. Well, and I think the point is, doesn't matter if you're growing up in the slums or in Monterey, this abuse happens regardless of where you are. Right. It just shows up looking different depending on what you have. And and, and I don't mean necessarily the, the, the pain of it, but the, you know, the way that you film it in Monterey sure. is a little different. Oh, of course. Um, and so, you know, so this season, as you said, I think the best, you know, moments were Nicole Kidman and Meryl Streep yeah. in many scenes. Yeah. Do you remember like in the first? Well, in pretty much every scene with Meryl Streep, you knew that that you were going to react in one way, shape, or form. Right. Like she's sinister but is she right that's the question because if you look at it through a certain lens you can be this is complete manipulation she knows exactly what she's doing she's you know just calling reese witherspoon short what's that all about and she's just kind of messing with her i know one of my favorite scenes um and this is getting into renata but it's in the last episode when renata orders the um um Coffee? Coffee, the Starbucks, the Americano, which I really laughed at because I also order an Americano. That is my coffee. And basically all an Americano is is, is espresso and water. And that's all I want. As If I'm getting um, regular coffee, I want black coffee. I want nothing in it. I don't understand coffee any other way. And so it's a funny scene where Renata goes up there and says, I need an Americano. And he's like, you want room for, for milk? And she's like, Americano. Sweetie, I got that. You do? I got oh, it. Oh, good. I, I like this scene. I did a little bit of research. Americano. All right. Double Americano. Would you like me to leave room for milk? Americanos don't have milk. Some people like milk in their Americanos. It's espresso and hot water. Do I need to come back there and make it myself? No. She's mean. <laughs> um, before we go to Laura Dern, I have a little bit of trivia on Nicole Kidman. Okay. Are you okay with that? Sure, sure. And I have more trivia on Nicole Kidman than I do of anybody else. So I promise the trivia won't be this long for any other character. Okay. One is Nicole Kidman was once engaged to Lenny Kravitz. Is that right? Oh, gosh. Is that IMDb true? IMDb says it is. Wow. It, it sounds weirdly familiar to me. Could be made up. I don't no, know. No, I think it's true, Todd. I'm like having a memory. Did it say what year? It also says Kravitz lived with Nicole Kidman when Kravitz was 13 during the time Kidman was engaged to her father, Lenny Kravitz. So, Zoe, you said the wrong name. You Sorry, said- Zoe Kravitz lived with Nicole Kidman when Kravitz was 13. Um, 
when oh when crab it's because you're saying the same last name when when Zoe was 13 yeah. she lived with Nicole Kidman wow Todd this is adding a whole nother dimension well that's what I'm here for okay so not not all my trivia is that good okay here it is it says okay Zoe Kravitz and Nicole Kidman had their paths cross again on the show I don't know what they're talking about here Lenny Kravitz okay. Sorry. Take your time, sweetie. Okay, go ahead. Where's my Okay, wait, I get I got it. Um (laughs) It says this is Lenny Kravitz quote. The musician fifty-four considers it beautiful that Zoe Kravitz thirty and Nicole Kidman fifty-one had their paths cross again on the show. I thought it was very interesting that they ended up on the same show, Lenny said, and Zoe hadn't seen Nicole since she was younger. So it was beautiful that they got to know each other as adults and make this great show together. So it sounds like that's right. So you're right. right. That's super cool. So the next one I have is Alexander Skarsgård. Mm -hmm. That's Perry. That's Perry. Said that the therapy sessions between Perry and Celeste were filmed without rehearsal, and he appreciated that since accordingly, he and Nicole Kidman had genuine tension an awkwardness, having to read one, having to read the other's emotions in the scene. That's not that interesting. Okay. Alexander Scarger sa- said that he always checked in with Nicole Kidman after filming their abusive scenes to make sure she was okay. He further stated that he roomed with a friend during the shoot rather than staying in a hotel so he wouldn't have to come home alone. Mm. And this way he had an easier time shaking off the role of Perry after work. Mm-hmm. Two more. Nicole Kidman said that she was so emotionally devastated by the scene in which Celeste is beaten by Perry in the bathroom in her underwear. Yeah. She was genuinely unable to get up off the floor after the scene was over. Yeah. Later that day, she returned to her hotel room. She suffered a meltdown meltdown and threw a rock through a glass door. Wow. And then last one, Nicole Kidman received several bruises from filming the many violent scenes. She wanted Celeste's struggle to be authentic and told co-star... Alexander Skarsgård, not to go easy on her. That's it. That sounds about right. I mean, Todd, it's tough. Like season one is a totally different experience. Like it, um, it it felt real, and their therapy sessions are brutal. And um, they here's the thing: is by the time you're in season two, everybody's talking super openly about mm. what happened between the two of them. She never tells any of her friends. She can't even admit it to herself, right. Nicole Kidman. So um, or Celeste, like it's not something, and she still blames herself. Like I agitate him. It's a very um, common. Um, you know, survivors of domestic abuse, they they really do believe that they cause it, yeah. you know? Um, and, you know, we, on Zen Parenting Radio, the other podcast we do, we talk about sexual assault a lot. Yeah. We talk about domestic abuse. We talk about these kind of issues. Um, and Big Little Lies um, really allows for a story, a real story to be told. Yeah. Even though I know it's Leanne Moriarty's book, um, it feels like a true story. For it feels sure. true to form. So I got a whole bunch of Renata scenes. So do I. So, okay, so let's talk about Renata. So th- there's so many things. Her character is so different in this season because in season one, she's a side character. She's not a main character. In season one, the main characters are Celeste, Madeline, and Jane. And Renata's a side character. Bonnie's a side character. But she gets a lot more um, because they don't like her in season one. She's like the villain. In this one, she's more of a... Uh, compadre. Yeah, she's more of a friend. Um, 
but she has the best scene stealing moments. So which one are you going to play first? Um, we'll do the shortest one first, okay. which is the one you love so much. I will not not be rich. Sweetie, you keep saying that. I will not not be rich. I keep saying that to you, Todd. Um, no, not to me, but it's just a funny line. It's a great line after, cause I said it a bunch of times that night after that episode, I will not, not be rich. Um, which is, you know, she, that's, she's basically like saying being rich is breathing to me. Yeah. So that's a great moment. All right. This is her with the principal. Okay. This is my fave. Two idiots like yourselves to teach eight-year-olds that the planet is doomed. The children are constantly bombarded with climate change. It is all over the news. It's our job to deconstruct it so that they can process it. Good for you. You deconstructed my little girl into a coma. Now, Renata, look, we scheduled an assembly for this evening. Okay, you are not the only parent complaining, just by far the loudest. You're pitiful. Okay, this is gonna come as a shock to you. This school is actually here to serve all the children, not just Amabella. You think because of this whole bankruptcy thing? that the school thinks I don't matter. <laughs> I will be rich again. I will rise up. I will buy a fucking polar bear for every kid in this school. And then I will squish you like the bug that you are. Pretends like he's not a smoker, hasn't been laid in 15 fucking years. Don't you talk to me like that. And you can't be bothered to squish you. You're a model citizen, Renata. I told you, these second grade mothers, they are Shakespearean. 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 This is why you like her. <laughs> Because there's a part of Renata in each one of us. There is. Like, sometimes we just want to just go off on the principal or go off on the grocery, the Starbucks guy, <laughs> because it feels good in the moment. I think afterwards you feel like crap. But in the moment, my God, it feels good. We have a filter in our brains yeah. that Renata does not have. Correct. So the She fact feels that, very justified. Exactly. So anyways, that's why you love her. I know. And she, you know... In those moments, you feel like they're, again, with her daughter, she's a little extreme, a little, a lot extreme. Like in the first episode of season two, do you remember when she pulls the teacher aside and she's like, my daughter is a genius. I'm going to expect you to have special attention for her. Sure. Like she really does believe her daughter deserves more than every other kid there. So that is annoying. But prior to this moment that you just played, her daughter basically passed out in class because she was so stressed out about a number of things. Number one, because of climate change, because yeah. the teacher was talking about climate change. Number two, because of her mom's stress, because number three, because they're losing their money and possibly their house. Of course, what Renata needs to do, though, is make it all about the school yeah. because she can't bear to think that she's causing any of Amabella's stress. That's right. Um, but yeah, I, I like that moment. And, you know, <clears throat> the Starbucks moment that you played before, the way that that moment ends, the one where she's talking about the Americano, sure. the way that ends is after she orders it and then Mary Louise comes up and Mary Louise says, how are you? And she's like, I'm rot. Like she has this great line. She's like, I'm rot. And then she's so mad at Mary Louise that she leaves. And then Mary Louise says to Starbucks guy, I'll pay for that and, and get it to her. We're going to the same place because yeah. they're showing up at court together. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. just, I don't know if that was improv or what, but that was a great, like, mm. that's how clueless Mary Louise is yeah. about how she affects people. Yeah. It's almost like she has, yeah. Like there's some disassociation Correct. of how she actually impacts 
those around her. Yeah, like she's she's like, oh, I'll bring her her coffee. Where Renata just had this whole yeah, breakdown. Yeah, she's got a she's got a chip missing. <laughs> totally. Um, so this is the last Renata scene. Okay. This is after I think she finds out that her husband has been with the nanny, yes. and they're driving home in the car. Oh yes. <laughs> I still love you. You know that, right? Shut the fuck up for the rest of your fucked up fucking life. Do you hear me? I don't want to hear one fucking word from your fucked up little fucking twerp mouth on why you fucked up, no matter what fucked up excuse you come up with. You fucking fuck shit. Fuck it. You fucking nanny. She took a bunch of Kleenex. And, st- and stuffed them in her husband's mouth. The thing about that scene that I loved, it's funny, I didn't even realize as I was watching it how much she was swearing because I was watching her body language when, we, you know, the night you and I watched it. And she, gosh, Laura Dern is such a good actress. The way her body is moving is so anger and sadness. Like, that was think about how that scene could have been overacted or done poorly. Like think of a, an actress doing that and not doing it well. It would have been a joke. Yeah. But there's something about her body language that is so true to form. Like when you're so mad and so sad and you move like in really weird ways. Like I remember as I watched that, I was like, oh my God, that is anger. Like that, I just knew that feeling. Sweetie, I have the male counterpart scene to Renata. Oh, uh-oh. How may I help you can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks. Then you can give me a fucking automobile, a fucking Datsun, a fucking Toyota, a fucking Mustang, a fucking Buick, four fucking wheels and a seat. Oh my God. That's going to be a, a pop culturing sometime before the year is up. You know why I know it's going to be a pop culturing and that's planes, trains and automobiles, by the way? is that you and I have seen that you've seen that movie more than I and you love it 10 times more than I do but how many times have I seen that movie I don't know we watch a it lot. every thanksgiving as well we should and anytime it's on TNT or TBS or yeah. wherever so it's, it's back in the old days when we used to flip through channels it's a little sad we don't flip through channels anymore isn't it you know when you and I flip through channels hotels yeah Yes. And I get frustrated that it takes so long for the channel to change. Well, it depends. Yeah. Sometimes it's like satellite dish and it takes like two seconds. And we're frustrated. Totally frustrated. Because <laughs> cable's like, right. it just comes right in. Okay. So any, the other things about, there's, the other thing about Renata is the relationship that she is in with Gordon, as long as they decided to have him be somewhat different this season, she's in a somewhat abusive relationship too. And I'm not saying she's a saint. None of the people in this show are, but you know, he gambled away all their money. Basically. Um, he is having an affair with the nanny. He is, um, uh, not great. And she is for the most, the majority of this season putting up with it, like you showing know what's up. weird is they, he lost all the money. Uh-huh. She works hard and makes a ton Very of money. much so. But because it's. Combined. Common property. Yep. His F-ups. Yeah. 
take all of her Correct. money and savings away. Correct. Like the doesn't season doesn't seem right, does it, it? It doesn't. The season opens with her getting a photo shoot because she's going to be on the cover of a magazine of being such a successful woman. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of empowering and yeah. fun and inspiring moment. And then they pull out, they pull it on. They her. pull it on her because she is no longer that person. She's bankrupt. And she didn't cause any of that. No. Like you can say anything you want about her personality, but all these things that are happening, them losing their house, everything. And she's distraught about it because not only is she losing her own persona, because, you know, I will not not be rich, is her daughter, what she wanted to create for her daughter. And again, we can also have comments about what she wants for her daughter is not really what her daughter needs, Mm. which is a big house and wealth and a pool and 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 a a big big disco party. party. (laughs) Um, But that's what she wanted to do. As she says to Gordon a few times, the dreams I had for my daughter and what I wanted to give her, and now I can't do that. And so even if we know, especially as Zen parenting people, the money is not going to make her daughter happy. That's not... But at the same time, Renata's dreams are gone. Yeah. That's the dreams that died. Not Amabella's dreams, but Renata's dreams. Sure. So, you know, it takes her, which is a little shocking, till the very last episode for her to say, I'm done. Yeah. Which it's confusing to why. But this is the scene I wanted you to play. The one, um, uh, number four. Uh, I think it's this one. It's called We Stay. Oh, thank you. Let me see. Where is it? Uh, we stand shoulder to shoulder. We stand die to eye. That's the Pooh Heffalump movie song, Todd. I don't think this is it. Oh, there it is. I'm sorry. Okay. It's going to be amazing. So out of the water. What are you doing? Smoking. I hate smoking. Nobody smokes anymore. I'm just trying to manage my stress. Talking about Amabella's birthday party. It's going to be amazing. How are you doing? How's everything with Ed? Is he here? Um, whether or not we're still married, it's undetermined. Oh, babe. I'm sorry. I don't know. It's, it's not just Ed. I just feel like everything right now is so fucked. Yeah, it's a lot. And everything's weird. What time is her party? Two, because I have to go to bankruptcy court that morning. What? On a Saturday? Mm-hmm. Well, we worked it out. Better that we don't have to sit around those penniless losers. As though that's not us. Jesus, I don't know how you're still with him. I mean, I know he's your husband, but fuck. I don't know. We stay. We don't have to. We do. They betray us and we stay. You know? They lie, they cheat on us, and we... You know you said that out loud. I did, I said it out loud. Is that good? We stay, we work it out, is my... So basically, in that scene, Madeline is sitting outside smoking. Renata comes out and sits next to her. They're having a little like fall car, you know, pumpkin carving thing. And they're talking and, you know, Madeline's talking about Ed and Renata's talking about bankruptcy court. And Jane comes out and says, how's everybody doing? And Jane is the one who says, I don't know why you stay with them. And Renata's like, you know, they're horrible to us and we stay. You know, we stay. That's what we do. And then she says something like, you know, they they cheat on us and we stay. And, you know, Madeline had just cheated on Ed. So that's why she said, you realize you just said that out loud. Um, But that is, you know, 
that is a thing. Like, why, you know, the staying. And that shows up in court, too, in regards to women who are abused. Um, it's discussed, you know, why Celeste stayed. You know, that's always the question of women who are being abused is why do you stay? And I think what a lot of men and women who have not been in that situation don't understand is that it's not as simple as it sounds. There's so much tied up in it, not just a fear that, first of all, fear of your own life, what would happen, what would happen with the children, what you could be disconnected from financially and socially, um, you know, sometimes that's part of the domestic abuse is you are cut off from money. You don't have the ability to work and you're being threatened with lawyers or with, um, not having anything of your own, like leaving has more risk to it than I think, you know, people who like to make the story really short and be like, Oh, someone's abusing you. Just leave. It's not like that. It's not nearly that simple, but it reminds me of two things. One is real life. One is a TV show. The good wife starts out that way, right? Doesn't she like get criticized because she's the, you know, there's always the podium shot with the The guy, politician who got caught screwing around on his wife. Uh And the wife is standing next to him. And the wife dutifully just stands. And then didn't like Anthony Weiner's wife get all in trouble, not in trouble, but... Like what? A, why is she standing next to him? Or am I making? No, am I thinking she, of a different no, New York she, politician. She stayed with him, I think, for some of the first things yeah. that happened. Yeah, many, many. <laughs> the texts and the you know the naked pictures. She she was Hillary Clinton's assistant on the campaign. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think. I, she deserves to have her name. Maybe she doesn't want her name spoken in this situation. But you know, I I hate it when we just call up people certain people's wives. Yeah, by the um, way, that doesn't bother me. I know. Well, it does for me as well, women. Not, not wives, just whenever we can't think of a person's name. Oh, okay. Well, I care. I if, know you do. That's why um, we're a good Huma team. Abedin. Who? Um, Huma Abedin. Huma? Huma. H-U-M-A-A-B-E-D-I-N. Right. Huma. And um, she is, um, they are no longer together, by the way, because he ended up going to prison for what he was doing. Yeah. He just got out like a couple, I don't know, six months ago, maybe less than that. Um, but anyway, yes, in real life. that And the thing is, is the good wife is based on real life. It was yeah. based on Elliot Spitzer when he did the exact same thing. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. Spitzer. Yeah. And, and Wiener did the same they thing. They get all these New York guys mixed up. These uh, politicians so who cheat on their wives. So we're 56 minutes in and okay, we haven't so finished characters we'll, yet. We'll get, we'll, I'll go quickly here. So... Jane, this is what I have to say about Jane. A lot of season one was about Jane and the fact that she didn't know who had raped her. We obviously find out at the end of season one that it was Perry yeah. and that her son and and Celeste's sons are um, brothers or half brothers. This I'm going to say positive things about her story. Number one, that I thought it was nice that they had discussions, uh, they set up discussions between Jane and Celeste where they went deep about, do you hate me? Mm. You know, Jane is like, do you resent me because of what happened with Perry and having that discussion? Um, They also ended up having their boys know Mm -hmm. that they were half brothers. Um, there's lots of, you know, scenes about that. And I, those, that felt to me more like that, that was good. Um, interesting nuanced, difficult, all that kind of stuff. That's what I like about this show is like, things are like, you're watching something and you're like, well, this is good, but it's weird, but it's hard, but it's positive. All those emotions. You want it to be a little messy. You want it to be messy. And then I also appreciated, you know, the Jane Corey storyline was confusing because you, we weren't sure if he was good or bad. 
But There's you know, another loose end that's just kind of like sputtered out. You know, the moment that I appreciated about Jane the most was in the final episode, which they really kind of wrapped that up quickly. But there's a moment where I think she and Corey are kind of like dancing and she's, uh, she, I think they both have drinks. I think she has a glass of wine and they, I think they end up being intimate, which she hasn't been able to do. But when they're dancing and she has that glass of wine, she like missed that whole phase of her life. Like when she, when she was raped by Perry, she was really young and had gone out to a bar and was drinking and then had that experience. And because of that experience, um, that, uh, that assault. Older. Yeah. She not only got pregnant, but it aged her where she would never do that. She didn't give herself that chance to be that young again. And so to have that moment of her kind of dancing with a boyfriend, um, feels like hard, you know, hard one. Well, and not, not the whole rape thing, but that's, uh, what's her name's character in Jerry Maguire. She had a kid, uh, Renee Zellweger's character. Right. And, you know, even in Jerry Maguire, which I think we'll do on pop culturing eventually, she kind of alludes to that his, the dad was not great to her. Do you remember there's, she does a little speech where she talks about Ray's. T-I-M. Oh, no, that's from Say Anything. Say Anything. Ray's dad. Dad. But the only thing I remember is when she's talking to her sister, Bonnie. Yeah. Is that her name? No, Bonnie Hunt is the actress. What's her character's name? I don't remember. Um saying Laura Laurel 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 you know girls my age are trying to find a man trying to blah 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 I'm trying to raise a man so like she's like a 26 year old single mom but she also says something to the effect of that Ray's dad wasn't great to her yeah, I don't and remember I, that I believe you but I don't remember they don't part. explain why he died um or what happened but it Did wasn't they say that he died I think so might have to rewatch it yeah I think we may need to rewatch that scene but anyway so that's really what I'll say about Jane in this season is that I love Shailene Woodley just like you do I actually um a few quotes that I've given my daughters uh I sometimes I find good quotes and I print them off and I give them to my daughters to put in their room yeah. and one of the ones that stuck around cuz some of them they look at and they'll kind of I don't see them again but both of them kept up the quotes that I gave them that Shailene Woodley said and it's something about if she could be 13 again she would realize and appreciate exactly who she was. Like, she's kind of a badass in real life. She's a total badass. George Clooney spotted out because what's the movie they did The Descendants, yeah. And he's just like, watch out for this kid. Yes. Because she's the real deal. Right. And then The Fault in Our Stars and then Mm. Divergent. I mean, she's all over the place. But this was really, like you said, she can go... I mean, think about the scene... You know, that really affected me the most this season probably is when, you know... Um, Ziggy realizes, or he's told, unfortunately, by Madeline's daughter, that his dad is Perry. Mm. And she says, did she tell you anything else? And he says something about him giving you salt. Mm. Because she's saying, he's saying assault. assault. Yeah, yeah. And he says something like he salted you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he thinks it's S-A-L-T-E-D. Yeah, right. And that, and she just, the acting. No. She just. That's what I mean. Tears up and has to explain to him but they cut away before she explains it. And I appreciated that. It felt kind of like we don't need to hear that conversation. You know what I mean? Like that's a private conversation. I know that sounds weird. No, I think I know what you mean, except for that part in Forrest Gump where Gump's like in Vietnam and then they pull the the plug out so you never hear what he has to say. And it's almost better or like in Pulp Fiction where they never show you what's in the briefcase. Yes. Sometimes it's cooler 
to not know. And that's it's kinda, frustrating, but it's cool. That's exactly what I mean about about that scene with Jane is, you know, she has the emotional response. You know, she's about to tell him everything or what's child developmentally appropriate. And you know, she's going to do a good job. She's a good mama. Yeah. Um, she's a great mom. She's the healthiest mom of the bunch. So, uh, just, uh, Oh, go ahead, sweetie. Shailene Woodley is my only trivia on her. Okay, go ahead. Shailene Woodley was seriously thinking of quitting acting and had been refusing scripts for a year before this one came her way. And she fell in love with the character of Jane. A phone call of encouragement from her friend and co-star Laura Dern solidified her decision to take the role. I love that. Yeah. I wonder why she was considering. She's been kind of political activist lately. She's so. a badass. I know. We love her, as you can tell. Um, I guess, you know, we already talked about Bonnie. Um, but I, I what I'll just kind of end with, you know, Bonnie was that in the book, um, as I already said, I, you know, she kind of had a different backstory in the book. And it was... Um, she, it was her father who was abusing her mother in the book. Mm. And in this, in season two, Big Little Lies, they have it be that her mother abused her Mm. and that her father did nothing. And her father not doing nothing reminded me a lot of two characters, the mother in Dead Poets Society. Yes, that's coming up too. Who did nothing when her son was basically being... You know, told how to live his life by his dad in a very destructive way. She did nothing. And then you didn't see it, but um, Sharp Objects, there's a dad um, who does nothing while his wife is abusing their children. So it's this kind of, you know, this structure, this where you kind of watch this dad basically say, you know, he says to the, the actor, I don't know who he is, but he says to Bonnie, Zoe Kravitz, like, you know, I did my best. I tried to protect you. And she's like, you didn't. Yeah. Like you may, you may have thought you did, but it kept happening. Yeah. Um, so again, I already kind of gave Zoe Kravitz all of her props. She, I, I loved it. Um, so, and we kind of already built in Mary Louise a little bit. Um, I want to talk about the kids. Um, I think that one of the things this show is trying to say is that we, that, that the, the kids are really, I think the best word to describe them is precocious, meaning they're old beyond their years. Mm-hmm. They see more than their parents think they do. Um, they're the ones actually like talking to each other about whose dad is who and, you know, is spreading this information. You know, Amabella's the one passing out about climate change. Um, you know, there's a scene where the boys like beat up this kid, um, Max and Josh, and I think even Ziggy beat up this kid because he's saying stuff about their dad. Um, there's this great, really touching scene where Chloe, that's Ed and Madeline's daughter. Do you remember Ed's in the kitchen, just cutting stuff up and she just comes in and hugs him. Mm. Is Chloe the older one? No, she's oh, the younger, younger one. Okay. Yeah, I kind of I liked the older daughter, yeah. but I I have nothing to really say well, about we her. We didn't get to know her that well. Yeah, um, and she just comes up and hugs him, and they are just they're old. You know, they're like older than their parents give them credit for, sure. and sometimes to a fault. And the kid, the parents actually like, you know, Renata having the big party is very kid like having everybody dress up like disco, even at the party. Do you remember when Nathan and Ed like get into a fight? Yeah. Like that's very kid like. Parents acting like kids. 
Yeah. Kids acting like parents. And then Gordon having a playroom where he's got a, you know, train set and, you know, he actually is like, oh, you know, someone bought all this, but they can't keep it. So I get to keep everything. I get to play with my toys. Yeah. And that's when Renata goes crazy and hits everything with a bat because she's like, I lost everything and you get to keep all your toys. No way. Um, but there's a lot of that kind of, you know, you know, and I'm sure it's on purpose, but just how as adults, sometimes we think we're protecting our kids or that we're so grown up or that we know so much more, but, but our kids, they know. And not only that, but yeah. And I think just generally speaking, myself included, the father of three daughters, you know, sometimes I treat my 16 year old like she's 13. Sometimes I treat my 11 year old like she's eight, not deliberately, not consciously, but you just forget Mm -hmm. or you just, or maybe you don't want to believe it or maybe they show a certain side of themselves to play that role. But when they're at school, they act a lot older. I don't know. It's just hard, but I think it's very normal. It is. And they, they are so lost in their own problems Mm -hmm. that sometimes they're, they kind of like put all the kids in one, like this, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, they're doing parenting in the very cookie cutter way. You need to be at this school. You need to look this way. You need to act this way. You right. know, they're trying to be kind of that model type of parent. There's actually a scene where when Celeste is talking to her boys about going to court, they say to her, do you want us to lie? Right. And she says, no, I don't. I want you just to tell the truth that you want to live with me. And then they say, don't worry, mom, we'll protect you. Mm. Like children who believe they need to protect their parents, just like that scene of, you know, Chloe coming in and hugging her dad. Like sometimes we think we're getting away with it. Our kids don't know. And they're the ones who think they need to take care of us. So, you know, again, because you and I talk about parenting all the time in our other podcast and sometimes on here too, um, I just thought that was really relevant. Uh, Anything else, Todd? I don't think so. Anything... Else, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wrote down that I thought was interesting. Oh, can I end on this? Go ahead. I, the last, this in the last episode, Celeste says to Madeline, Madeline says something to the effect of this lie is going to, you know, it's going to get us or it's bringing us all down or it's hurting us. And Celeste says, it's not that lie. The lie is the friendship. Like, Madeline is referring, that's the thing is Madeline is referring to the fact that they're all hiding the fact that Bonnie pushed Perry. Right. But Celeste says the lie is the friendship. And Todd, I sat on that. I think I know what that means. I I think I do now too. Okay. But what do you think? It it took me a while. It means that there's no reason these people would be friends had it not been for this homicide that brought them together. Yes. And I think that that's part of it. And I think it's also that they're lying to themselves, that they're even attempting to be friends. I mean, they haven't been supporting Bonnie in at all. Yeah. Like in the courtroom scenes, everybody's there for Celeste. Yeah. What about Bonnie? Nobody is there for her. Nobody well, is supporting her and what's going on with her mom. Well, one thing that we have, we have, we can't finish this podcast without talking about the very end. Yeah. They, so, Shailene Woodley uh, has now has an ability to be intimate with what's his butt. Corey. Corey. Uh, Nicole Kidman gets her kids. Yeah. Everything's good. Uh, Reese Witherspoon's back. They get remarried on the beach. Remarried, yeah. Bonnie's mom dies. Yeah. 
And Bonnie has a release where she tells Nathan she's going to leave him. Right. She doesn't love him. And then they all walk into the police station. Well, Bonnie texts Madeline and she's the first one to get a text. And basically we don't, we can't see the text, but we know it says something. And she has already told Nathan. I know you don't know, but guess. I'm I'm going going into the police station. Yeah, I'm turning myself in. And you can tell that she's told Nathan what she did. Bonnie did. Bonnie told Nathan because Nathan said, at least let me drive you there. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, I'm going to go do it by myself. And then as she pulls up at the police station, everybody else pulls up in their cars. So one of the reasons I liked the ending but didn't like the ending, I liked the ending because it it doesn't always have to end with this big shocking thing. No, it doesn't. So I'm okay with that. Okay. But these women who have worked so hard on this lie... They don't show any resistance to this. It's almost like they're like, okay, let's go. But like, that's not realistic. But you've watched them unravel with the lie all season. Like, if this would have been episode one, they would have been like, no way. Like, think about everybody. It's almost like every character at some point was like, we should tell the truth, right? Yeah. They have all these meetings on the beach. But eventually, Renata, after she beats up Gordon's stuff with a bat, yeah. she's like, no more lies, yeah. right? And then you see Bonnie tell the truth to Nathan. She's like, no more lies. Madeline and Ed get back together. She's like, no more lies. Right. Celeste is like, she gets rid of, she. you see her kiss Perry, right. um, the, the video, and then she shuts it down, no more lies. So you see, and then Jane, same thing, like she's opened up. So the whole season has been leading to this time where they realize this is the right thing to do. Um, but I think when, you know, Celeste saying the French, the lie is the friendship. I think they haven't, but I, before you play whatever you're about to play, okay. cause I can tell you're getting ready. Yeah. I also feel confused about it because I think, and again, I'm going to jump on the, the male female thing because this was edited by men or possibly written. I know Leanne Morardi wrote it, but David Kelly wrote it too, is that, Women's friendships can be complicated and you don't have to be best friends to be connected. Like once they all at the end of season one experience that trauma together, I get the fact that they haven't really been good to Bonnie or that maybe they wouldn't naturally be friends, but they are all connected by their trauma Mm -hmm. and that not everything is... I'm just thinking in my own life, we all have friends that are challenging or that we're connected for maybe not the right reasons or not the reasons we would choose, but we're still connected. Yeah. And that's still friendship. It's just different. And I I kind of felt like that that statement, and maybe that statement was supposed to make us think the way I'm still thinking about it. I'm right. still trying to figure out what she meant by that. And I think everything we've spoken about Maybe it's all of those things wrapped in one. Mm. So go ahead and play whatever you're going to like. I'm totally taking a leap of faith because I don't know if this is the right part. And this is a random movie I'm pulling in. Oh, boy. Have you seen Quiz Show? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Charles Van Dorn is played by, what's his name? Uh, Ray Fiennes. Thank you. Uh Um, And Ray Ray Fiennes' character is getting fed the answers for so long. Yes. And then the Boston lawyer guy, I forget the guy's name, they're walking down the street one day. Uh-huh. And I think this is the part. You know, I remember five, six years ago, my Uncle Harold told my aunt about this affair he had. It was a sort of mildly upsetting event in my family. Mm-hmm. Mildly? Well, you have to put it in context. See, the thing it is, the affair was over something like eight years. So I remember asking him, 
Why'd you tell her? Got away with it. I'll never forget what he said. It's the getting away with it part he couldn't live with. I might take that chance. So that's it. That is it. And this is what all detectives, all police officers know about criminals um, of any kind, like someone who has murdered somebody or someone who has done a crime that, you know, is they, they keep saying they didn't do it, is the person who eventually turns them in is themselves. Mm-hmm. Even if they're not the ones who walk themselves to the police station, they'll tell someone, they'll break, they'll... It, we Unconsciously, subconsciously set the wheels in motion. But I would like to even bring it down to just like normal lies. We some you know Sometimes we lie to our spouses, sometimes we lie to our kids, sometimes we lie to our boss and we think we're getting away with it. And I'm going to go Zen parenting on you a little bit. But when we do that, I believe that we have this energy and there's also these blockages. And when we lie and we think we're getting away with something, that is a blockage to our energy flow. So you think you're getting away with something, but in essence, it's killing us from the inside Absolutely. out. Absolutely. That's how we're built. Yes. We are, and that's, you know, that's the good news for people. And there are people who have no problem lying, who are kind of dead. But I, I still think that there's some cost unconsciously. Sure. Sure. I, don't, I don't know what it is. I can't put point my finger on Physical it. Physical illness. Anything. Right, right. And I completely agree with you. I mean, you sometimes it's worse to, and I'm putting this in quotes, get away with something because it'll eat you up inside. Yeah. Like you, people cannot live with themselves. Yeah. You know, when there's, it just, it tears your life apart. And, you know, that's kind of, as I said, that's what law enforcement depends on is they know someone. That's why they always say on the news, somebody knows something like the person who did this told somebody because that's what human beings do. You know, it's funny because like a lot of serial killers, they can't even tolerate it. They'll like leave clues. Yeah. They'll write letters. Right. They'll leave signs because like the Zodiac killer, like he was like writing to the, you know, They need to tell people what they're doing. And um, this is, if this got about that far, like Bonnie through the whole season is being eaten up from the inside. Oh, yeah. And she, there's a lot of animosity at Madeline because Madeline is the one in the moment who says we're not going to tell anybody when really one of the biggest complaints about this season two is it would have been so easy for them to go in and say this was self-defense. They had to kind of build it up that Bonnie, she tells her mom while her mom is lying there and had a stroke that she pushed Perry because she kind of envisioned him as her Mm -hmm. because she had been abused her whole life by her mother. And so it was almost like a push from her past. But at the same time, she was also, he was kicking the crap out of Nicole Kidman and he was starting to turn on the other women. Like this was a very cut and dry case to me, but then there'd be no story. There's no show. Yeah. So um, this is what I'll say to end. And then you can end with your feelings. I loved watching this. Yeah. If there was a season three, I'd be right there watching it again. I think season one was better, but that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy this experience, especially watching it with you. We had really good conversations. Yeah, I agree. It was a great show, well-acted, well-written. I don't think I'm going to go back and watch first season because I know all the big surprises. Yeah. Uh, that's all right. So anyway, so we um, have another podcast. First of all, this was brought to you by Zen Parenting Radio. If you like hearing this dialogue, 
uh, we invite you to switch over to the other channel, um, and we talk about self-awareness and compassion. What's and switch over to the other channel mean? Zen, just subscribe to Zen Parenting. Zen Parenting Radio is our other one. And then we have three in the uh, backlog that we've actually recorded. Three podcasts. Uh, for pop culture. Mm-hmm. Do we know which one we're releasing next week? So I think eighth grade, we, we kind of stuck this in the middle because Big Little Lies just ended. I think we said at the end of Swingers last week that we were going to do eighth grade. All right. So let's do eighth grade. Um, Should we say what the other two are or are we going to keep everybody no, on their let's toes? No, uh, let's just keep people on their toes. Um, write to us, Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. If there's a movie or a TV show you want us to do, let us know and maybe we'll do it, but maybe we won't. We get to decide. That's the best part. We got a lot of good ideas, don't we, Todd? Yes. Every time we see something we like, we're like, we got to do that. We got to do that. I don't know if we'll ever get through everything we love. No, and that's okay. Uh, Thank you for joining us. You guys keep trucking. Bye. Have a good week. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to Pop Culturing. If you love movies, music, and talking about pop culture like us, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love Zen Parenting Radio, the podcast we've been doing for over eight years. Zen Parenting focuses on self-awareness, communication, and connection with some pop culture thrown in, and Pop Culturing focuses on pop culture with some self-awareness, communication, and connection thrown in. Listening to both will give you an ideal life balance. If you want to know more about Kathy and I, head over to ZenParentingRadio.com to get more information about our podcasts, events, and don't forget our annual Zen Parenting Conference in Chicago, and so much more. Thanks for listening. We'll see you at the movies. I like that. See you at the movies. Thank you.